Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. You actually have this skill set within you. You just maybe forgot how to use it or you haven't figured out how to translate it into your solopreneur entrepreneur life. Today on episode 521 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the First Lady of Sales, Dr. Cindy McGovern. I'm going to ask Dr. Cindy how you can get over that icky feeling of selling, which may be more important than ever for you to be able to do. Find out more about Dr. Cindy along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are there to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience stay aware of how you can help them. Contact SiteHub today at YourSiteHub.com. That's YourSiteHub.com. Now let's welcome Dr. Cindy McGovern. Known far and wide as Dr. Cindy, the first lady of sales, she's an expert in the areas of sales. She helps people get over the ick of selling and use the skills of sales professionals to get what they want and deserve at work and in life. She's the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Every Job is a Sales Job, How to Use the Art of Selling to Win at Work, and as a popular and inspiring speaker. As the CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting, her team works with companies and entrepreneurs to grow their business. Dr. Cindy, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, David. It's a pleasure to be here. So on Smashing the Plateau, we talk a lot about what it takes for solopreneur experts to run a successful business. And if they're consultants, coaches, or they're running a solo professional practice, they're likely to be really good at the problems that they solve for their clients. Many of these folks have never had any sales education, and yet sales is the lifeblood of any business. If you don't have sales, you're not running a business, you're, you're pursuing a hobby. So they face a real dilemma. They may be uncomfortable selling, and they feel like they don't want to sell, yet they need to sell in order to have clients so that they can actually spend most of their time doing what they love doing, what they're good at doing, which is solving their clients' problems. What should they do? Well, the first thing they're going to have to do is get over the ick factor of selling. And I was in that category. I thought sales was kind of this pushy, manipulative, like I never thought of myself as a salesperson. I'm like, no, I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I do, you know, I help people. Well, sales does that. It's actually about uncovering the needs of others and finding a way to solve that problem or give them a solution. So sales really is also helping folks if you do it in what I consider the right way, the ethical way. But the first thing they're going to have to do is get over that ick factor and identify with the fact that they are in sales. And by the way, your listeners who have been doing this for any length of time are quite successful at it. (laughs) They just don't call themselves salespeople, but in fact, they actually are. Interesting. Interesting. Any tips on how to get over the ick factor? Absolutely. Recognize the fact that you've actually been selling your entire life. When I'm working with clients, part of what we have to address is why are you afraid of sales? What what is the ick factor for you? And it's a little bit different for everybody, right? Like some people think, oh gosh, I don't want to be the used car sales guy, or I don't want to be the pushy manipulative. But 
if you think back over your life, you've actually sold your entire life. If you were ever employed for it in any job, you sold yourself in an interview. If you ever convinced a teacher to let you turn in a late assignment when you were in school, you sold them. If you got your parents to let you stay out when you were a teenager, you sold them. Everybody in the world was five at once. And like when you were a five-year-old, you were the best salesperson on the planet because you weren't afraid of anything. You knew what you wanted and you went after it. So you actually have this skill set within you. You just maybe forgot how to use it or you haven't figured out how to translate it into your solopreneur entrepreneur life. And so I just want to encourage you that it is a skill set that's within you. It's a matter of recognizing how to now apply it to grow your book of business. Okay. So when I'm face-to-face with a business prospect and I start thinking about the time that I got my teacher to accept a late assignment, how does that help me? Well, the first thing is I would hope it would give you a little bit of confidence to know that you actually have had successful sales transactions within your life. But more importantly, there's a step that actually needs to happen before you get face to face. And it's creating a plan for your book of business and plan for your business itself. And what I find in a lot of solopreneurs is you're very busy working in your business, maybe not necessarily on your business. And I talk about five steps in my book. And the first of those five is actually creating a plan. What do you want? What does it look like? What do you want your business to be at the end of 12 months or 34 months or whatever it happens to be? So when you have a plan and you go, okay, I need to bring on, let's call it 15 new clients this year. And these are the types of clients I want. And this is how I'm going to find them. And then when I get that opportunity, here's what I'm going to say. And you have to plan for that because that's where a lot of entrepreneurs and solopreneurs get tripped up is they don't know what to say when faced with an opportunity. When you have practiced that, when you have planned for it, you can be very successful at it. Yeah. I mean, I I have to underline what you just said about having a plan, Cindy, because I find that lots of particularly solopreneur business owners not only don't have a plan, they may have thought about the elements of the plan, but they're afraid to write it down. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. Because writing it down means that it is actually a plan. Yeah, and one yeah. of the things that I, I tell people is I'm not a big believer in detailed business plans or detailed strategic plans. I like simple plans. I like plans that people will actually execute and they'll, they'll actually do what's in the plan. So if the plan has a handful of steps in it, that to me is a much more achievable tool or, or useful tool especially for a solopreneur than something that will be multiple pages and they're going to be petrified of writing it and they're never going to look at it once they finish writing it. Or or even worse, and I couldn't agree more, or even worse, they think the plan's never done. And I think the best plan is the one that you're in action on right now. So get that plan in place, put a stake in the ground and say, this is what I'm going to drive towards and create the path as you're going after it. I could not agree with you more, David. Right. And and I love that you write the plan for your business and then you also write the plan of what you're going to say to a prospect when you have that opportunity. Well, and that's also a very often skipped step is they think, okay, we've got this, you know, wonderful strategic plan put in place. How are you going to execute? What are you going to do with that? Numbers are great. Charts are great. Graphs are great. Nobody cares. Like, what are you going to do when that moment or that prospect is staring you in the face you have to say something. And so it's funny because without that plan, you're actually going to have a hard time looking for those opportunities, which is step two that I talk about is looking. They are everywhere. You have opportunities to promote your business. You have opportunities to network. 
But if you haven't been clear on that plan, you're probably not taking advantage of them. And for the solopreneur and the entrepreneur, that's as bad as leaving money on the table because you just haven't been looking for those chances. Hmm. What's an example of an opportunity that a solopreneur probably has in front of her or his face, but just hasn't looked for it? Well, here's a great one. Could your friends and family closest to you explain to a stranger what you do? And if they can't, that's an opportunity right there. You don't have your network working for you. If your friends know that you're a business coach, but they don't know that you specialize in X, Y, or Z, they can't send you referrals. If I can't tell people why you're amazing and I can't tell why people, people why you're awesome, I can't send them to you. So making sure that you've got a story out there and you've got walking commercials and walking fans that can help promote your business. That's an easy one right there. And then when you do kind of get your spidey senses up and let's say you're standing in line at the coffee shop or something and you hear somebody mention they're trying to, let's say you're a business coach for growth. They're trying to grow their business. You turn around, you have something to say to them. You hand them a business card. You try to schedule an appointment, but you have to be proactive. And I do find that a lot of solopreneurs in particular struggle with that because they want the work to speak for itself. They want their service to speak for itself. They want the results of their clients to speak for themselves. And there's some magic in that. But remember, most of the gifts that you're giving the world is to fix that problem for your client. It's not to to get them to go sell for you unless you ask, unless you're proactive. So it's really helping your network to work for you is a huge part of planning and looking for those opportunities and then being ready when they present themselves. All right. So writing a plan, looking for opportunity, being ready when the opportunity presents, present themselves. What are the other steps? So the third step is listening. And this is something that I feel super, super strong about for anybody in a sales capacity, whether your business card says you're in sales or not. I think part of the misconception of sales is that we think we're supposed to pitch something to somebody else. We're supposed to tell them all about what we do or what we have to offer. And I actually think it's the flip side. I think it's us having good listening skills and establishing trust with the folks around us so they know we're not just trying to sell them something. You get stuck in these transactionships, and that's not what we're doing. We're trying to build relationships. And the best way to do that is listen. And it's also the same thing like if you are standing in line at the coffee shop and you hear somebody behind you, you listen to them. You maybe ask a couple follow-up questions. You establish the trust that, hey, I've been there, or gosh, I'm working on that with another client. So they don't feel like they're being pushed into a decision. And if you listen to prospects around you, to your network around you, you will actually get better at spotting those opportunities. But you know as well as I do, David, listening is so hard in today's day and age. I mean, think about the last time you were standing in line at the coffee shop. You probably had your you know, earbuds in and we're on your phone. You weren't even paying attention to the world around you. So I encourage the entrepreneurs and solopreneurs on the on the podcast today listening in, look up mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're probably passing you by if you're not paying attention. And by the way, if you're listening to a podcast, you do listen. Yes. Right. For sure. Yeah. So for you're sure. just you're just suggesting that they listen to the people around them in person. Yeah. If you're, and it's funny, I was at lunch earlier today with a client and I was sitting at a table and the table next to us had two people sitting there having lunch together, but both earbuds in. (laughs) It's like, why did you go to lunch together? You're not being present. If you're going to be present, be present. If you're standing there, I mean, if you're listening to that podcast, I'm a huge podcast person. I'm a commuter as well. I'm in airports all the time. That's what I do. I love it. But that's your activity for that moment. If you're actively trying to grow your business and you know that you're downtown New York City on Thursday morning and you know that that is a target-rich environment, look up. 
look up from your phone, you might see an opportunity to build your network. Well said, well said. Cindy, what's the next step? Next step is asking, and this is the hardest one. This is the tough step even for seasoned sales pros. We're afraid of the word no, right? We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid that people are going to tell us that they don't need our services or they don't need whatever we're selling. But no is a perfectly acceptable response. It is, and that's completely okay. But what we have to recognize is we have to know how to ask for what we want. And most people just don't do that. We get all the way to the end. We've done all the things we need to do. We had our plan. We looked at the opportunity. We were listening to the other side. Just all those wonderful things. And then we basically left it hanging. So it's knowing how to ask when that chance does arise. And it's also even building your own network, like with solopreneurs and past clients, how you're keeping in touch with them. Are you proactively asking them for referrals? If you're not, you should be. These are people that have experienced your work, experienced your magic. They want to help you. But we have to be able to invite them to send us business. And we think, oh, gosh, you know, they were a great client of mine. Surely they're out there telling the world. Maybe not. So make sure you're asking for what you want and making it easy for others to help you. Cindy, what's the difference between asking someone for a referral and asking a prospect for business? So it's the way that you ask. So I actually think there's a lot of magic in sort of a formulaic ask of making sure the other person sees what they're going to get out of this. So if it was a prospect, I'd want to make sure that I had listened enough to what they needed and I could offer to them, hey, I think I can solve your problem or I think I can help you with the things that you're dealing with. I would love to be your coach or I would love to help you with your your business. If it's with a friend, it's reminding them of what the benefit was or a past client. It's reminding them of the benefit that they got, reminding them of the work that you had done together, rekindling that emotion within them and then asking them for the help of saying, hey, I'd like to be able to do that same thing for others. Do you know someone else that I should be helping? So it's just a, a tiny change in the formula, but it's still about beginning with them, what they're going to get and then asking for what you want. Right. So it's, you're pretty clear in the end that you're, you are asking for what you want. Absolutely. So it's not 100% about them. No, but you want them to feel good about giving you help. And I think that's where people get that ick factor of sales sometimes is because we feel like the salesperson's only after what they're going to get from this. We, they don't tell us what our benefit is going to be. It's kind of like, you know, the kiosk salespeople in the mall that are kind of shoving stuff at you. They're not recognizing whether this is a benefit to you. They're not paying attention to what you might get out of this interaction. It's like, I have a quota of how many people I have to throw stuff at every day or something. So it's making sure that you're being really authentic about it too. And I think most solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, we want to help others. That's, that's why we do what we do. So I think if you come at it from that very authentic place that you run your business from, you'll find it's easier than you think it is, but you do have to practice it. And I think also what you're saying is that there is a clear identification of an exchange of value that, yes, I'm listening to you. Yes, I'm hearing that you have a problem. I'm telling you that I believe I can solve the problem. And if I solve the problem, it is going to cost you money. There you go. That's it. Right. But you've laid it out for them. You've absolutely laid it out. So there's no question. Right. And is there a final step? Because I think we've covered four. There is a final step and it's following up. And I'm a huge fan of gratitude. I sort of approach my entire life from that space of feeling very grateful that I've been afforded the opportunities I have. And I feel like it's about coming from that place of abundance versus scarcity. And so 
all of the pieces that I do within my business and the way that I teach my clients is there is magic in the follow-up of sales and it's following up with successes. It's following up with seeing how they've done. It's also following up to the people that have given you a boost. And I think what you find is you create these raving fans that want to continue to help you elevate. They want to continue to help you succeed. But the follow-up piece tends to fall by the wayside. It's sort of, we do a throwaway thank you or something like that, where somebody sends you a referral and then you, you know, send them a thank you in the, in the mail and then you never say anything. Well, I think you follow back up with them maybe after you've finished with that referral that they sent and say, hey, that person was amazing and I loved working with them. And I just want to thank you for believing in me. And, you know, that's also an opportunity to ask for another referral, but it's letting them know that they were part of this journey with you. And I think by just following up and showing people how much they mean to you, it actually builds that network even more. And you have these folks that are sort of helping you to carry your flag. And especially for a solopreneur, you're it. (laughs) You're out there carrying the flag in the world. We need all the help we can get, right? So it's helping those other folks to want to continue to support you and help you. And that's just one of my philosophies in life is um, letting folks know how much they mean to me. Right. And then one of the things that I often hear from people, Cindy, is when you're asking for referrals or you're getting referrals and the referrals do turn into successful closed business, some people feel that they need to do something in return for the person that referred the piece of business to them. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? So it's funny because there there is a feeling of, of of a quid pro quo a little bit like, well, if they referred me business, I need to refer them business. That's not always the case. Sometimes that follow up and letting them know that you did something great is enough and it's more than enough. I mean, if I send a referral to someone, I'm not expecting them to send me one back. I'm expecting them to do a great job for the person I sent them. And that's what I want to hear about. So I think there's a misconception around that. And I also think that's also why people maybe don't ask for those referrals because they think they haven't earned them or they think they they don't have anything to give in return. Gratitude is a great return gift. It's a really great thing to give back. And being able to share success stories is also that. So I think helping people to recognize sometimes the gift is not just another referral. Yeah. Now, Cindy, how did you come up with your own methodology that you now teach and help others with? So (laughs) funny story. I didn't want to be in sales. I thought I was to be a college professor. Then I went into consulting and then woke up one day in a sales role and thought, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. And so (laughs) I had to find a way to sell that was authentic for me. And so I, you know, read a bunch of sales books and this is before the days of podcasts and things like that. And I, I was crafting and cobbling together a sales process that felt authentic for me and felt like something that I could do and was quite ethical and was meaningful because I don't want to sell somebody something they don't need. I'll never do that. Like that's just not who I am. And so I also needed one where I could establish trust and listen to the person to see if there was an ask that was even needed. If I get to step three in my process and there's nothing that I have to solve their problem, I'm not going to go to step four. I'm not going to ask for the business. I'm not going to ask for the referral because I can't help. I'll walk away and I'm okay with that. And so I kind of had to find a sales process where I could give myself permission to do this the way I thought it should be done. And I was very fortunate to have people that I could watch and learn from. And I'm an avid reader. And so I've sort of learned from just about anybody I could get my hands on their books or blogs or now podcasts and everything else. And what was the result when you first tried this? 
So it's funny because when I was in that sales role, I started recognizing these were kind of the steps I had used my whole life. I just never put names to them. Like I, I had recognized that I always had kind of a plan and that I was always looking for an opportunity and that I would establish trust with somebody. And then only when the moment was right, would I ask, I did shy away from it though, before I got into sales, cause everybody does. But I recognized those were pieces that had helped me to succeed as a student, as a, you know, when I was a bartender, I mean, all these things that you, you have your sort of life before you get to your, your grown up career. And that really helped me to gain some confidence around it, to know that I had, had been able to be successful at other things. But again, it's the same skill set you're using. Like for everybody listening today, if you've ever gotten your kid to eat anything green, that's sales. <laughs> you are selling in that moment and you're good at it. It's just taking it and translating it to the career and helping you to use that same skill set that you already have. Sounds great. Cindy, what's your dream for your business? Where do you want to take things? I want to help as many people as I can. My goal is to actually touch a million people before I'm done. Sounds great. And if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've talked about today or get in touch with you, where would they go? Super easy to find, drcindy.com. Just shoot me a message through the website or I'm on social media at 1ST Lady of Sales, First Lady of Sales or Dr. Cindy. And more importantly, I'd love to hear the success stories from all of your listeners because I just know there will be so many and I cannot wait to hear them. Is there a free gift you have for our audience? I would love to give a free gift. So one of the things you and I had talked about was them having sort of this plan for themselves. And a lot of it is around your personal brand. So what I'd like to offer your listeners is a bonus chapter that I have on personal branding and a tip sheet for asking for what you want, because that is one of the hardest things for solopreneurs and entrepreneurs. So they just need to go to drcindy.com, send me a little note and let me know an email address I can send those to. Sounds great. Well, Cindy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share um, a great methodology that I think is pretty easy to follow if you actually follow the steps. My guest today has been the First Lady of Sales, Dr. Cindy McGovern. Thank you again, Dr. Cindy, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, David. It's been a pleasure. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, You'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today we learned how you can get over that icky feeling of selling. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.